If you're into wellness and natural methods of treatment for pain, then I have an offer for you. Go to bodycheckwellness.com for high-quality hemp extract products. Products such as hemp oil-infused lotion and CBD muscle and joint roll-on are designed to promote wellness, balance, and recovery. Use the promo code OCS to get 25% off your CBD needs. Don't miss out on this great opportunity. Make sure you visit bodycheckwellness.com today. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I'm your host, Joey DiMeglio, and this week, Stat Boy Steven is here to talk about the Ranger prospects in the World Junior Championships. Steven, thanks for being here today. How are you? Uh, doing well. It's always fun to be uh, to be here with you. So, yeah, looking forward to it. A lot going on, even though it's August. Yeah, and, you know, this is – I was telling you before we started the recording that this is really one of the first chances for, for normal fans of, of the Rangers to see these prospects as they've drafted over the past couple of years. So, Ben, Will Cooley, Adam Sakura, who they just drafted uh, literally a month or two ago. And uh, it's it's incredible to see – you know how how well they are performing. You know, Othman had a a rough start. He got healthy scratch in his first game, and I saw your comparisons to the head coach of, of Team Canada. He looks and plays his players like former Rangers head coach David well, Quinn. He looks like David Quinn too. Yes, I mean, yeah, the resemblance is there. Yeah, uh, no, but it's uh, it's just it's just yeah, he's he's doing weird things with the lines, and today too. Um, Cooley is is because he played Cooley, Bedard, and McTavish on the top line the previous game against uh, against Switzerland. Now in the semifinal today, he has Bedard, who is like the consensus number one pick next year, and Will Cooley on the third line, Othman on the fourth line. So McTavish is playing with two completely new players. McTavish and, and Othman were teammates, right? They, yeah, they played together in Switzerland in their draft year. Uh, they're really good friends, you know. They uh, um, they 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 were roommates together in Switzerland. Uh, Brennan Othman is really good friends with Connor Bedard. They're they're, they're getting re- they're really comfortable together. So to see all these this line juggling when when you're doing really well, I just I don't get it. Othman had six points in three games, and, and not to not to mention uh, not to cut you off, but. Othman's doing well. How much? How how good has McTavish been? Like he's been killing it. So it does. Yeah, like like I agree with you. I don't I don't get how you would separate the chemistry and the point production, and on top of that, limit Othman's ice time to around twelve minutes a game. Yeah. Like you would you would think having a guy like that, a guy like Bedard, they should be getting you know upwards of fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. You know. Give them like four or five extra shifts, something. Like, yeah, and it's it's not it's not a sixty or seventy game season where you can try out some new lines. You know, it's just it's a seven game tournament. It's over in a week and a half. Right, and you know, I saw some of those highlights that you were posting. That the some of these prospects are are killing. Othman in particular, six points in four games. Mm-hmm. Cooley three points in five games. Adam Sakura had a highlight reel goal. I was so impressed by that one. The crossover yeah. move from the from the left boards the inside and then the give and go with his with the right winger yeah. back to Sakura and buries the goal that was incredible yeah, um, but also Othman Othman had some really good assists 
that that are not talked about enough. You know, we always talk about secondary assists not meaning much, but there was there was an assist in the game against um, I think it was against Czechia or was it against Finland. Um, anyway, Othman has the puck in his own zone, and he has a breakout pass to Connor Bedard in a neutral zone on the opposite side of the ice. And Bedard passes it through to McTavish for a breakaway, and McTavish scores. It's a secondary assist, but without that pass by Othman, the goal doesn't happen. You know, sometimes you have secondary assists that are just meaningless. You know, they're not contributing to how the goal was scored. But in this case, it definitely was. Um, he had he had a primary assist on McTavish where he forced a turnover. He had a strong forecheck and he he forced the goalie to play the puck early and and Hoffman intercepted it, passed it to McTavish, boom, another assist. The the second goal he had in the tournament against against um, against Switzerland. Um, no, sorry, against uh, I keep I keep forgetting which which game it was. It was the the last game of the group stage uh, against Finland. Um, Canada hasn't 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 created anything for the first five minutes of the game. Othman goes into the corner, strong forecheck, causes a turnover, positions himself in front of the net. Uh, Owen Zellweger shoots from the blue line and he deflects it in. That is an NHL goal. That is the type of goal that will translate very well to the pro level because that's how goals are scored in the NHL, especially in the playoffs. And we saw Chris Kreider score 17 goals off deflections this season, which mm -hmm. in itself is great. It's, it's unreal because – since the NHL started tracking uh, type of goals, so off deflections, et cetera, in 2009, uh, the second highest goals off deflections in a single season is 12, and Kreider had 17. So, yeah, he just obliterated that record. And it's, exactly. good, it's, it's good to hear that, you know, Othman's playing this style where he's in on the forecheck. Like, mm -hmm. that yeah, fits yeah. the Rangers' person. Like, that fits Glant's style. So, and it's kind of making me think, like, Maybe he does have a good chance of, of making if he plays as well as he's been playing mm -hmm. so far for Team Canada with a different coach, you know, Dave Cameron. Yeah. I don't know why he's not giving him more. I would reward that a player that's performing yeah. and, producing and like if, that. If you look at the Rangers team right now, you know, um, I think there's definitely a spot for Othman to start the season. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be there all season, but. He could at least start there uh, on the third line. You know, in 2014, Anthony Duclair played, I think, 18 games uh, on the Rangers. He was on the team for 36. And he was sent back to juniors in January after the World Junior Championship that year. I could see a similar path for Othman, where they have him on the team for three, four months. They play him 20 games, 25 games. Uh, and then they send him back to juniors after the World Junior Championship. Uh, because who else are you going to play on the third line? You can play Goudreau there. You can play Sammy Blay there, maybe Dryden Hunt. But do you really want those players on your third line, or do you want to go with with some scoring touch? And, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're going to try out at least a couple of games if he does one preseason. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just take it from there. He cannot go to Hartford, so it's either New York or Flint for him. Um, but, yeah, this World Juniors – uh, tournament, he's really he's really shown what he can do, and he plays a different style when he needs to, when he's asked to. When he's on the fourth line, he plays strong forecheck, gritty game. You know, he hits players at the right moments, and when he's on the top line, he's creating offense. So, 
yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. But I'm really I'm really happy with what Brandon Hoffman has shown this summer. What about Will Cooley? I think Cooley has also had a a, a good Will Juniors, uh, a little bit in Brandon Hoffman's shadow. The first the first four or five games, of course, uh, but he was on the top line in the quarterfinal against Switzerland, scored a goal. Um, tonight he's back on the third he's on the third line. He he's been decent, you know. I'm I'm, I'm not going to uh, complain too much about a guy who was a second round pick, and who's playing for Canada in the World Juniors because you know it's 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 a different it's a different uh, thing playing for Canada in the World Juniors or playing for, with all due respect, Slovakia or you know Finland, Sweden. Canada has so much depth to even make the team for Canada at the World Juniors. That's already an accomplishment. But Cooley has been good. Cooley has been decent. Um, and it, going into the tournament, you've always felt that Cooley was going to be the physical presence for the Rangers. Out of their seven prospects, of course, Garand is a goalie, so let's talk about the six skaters then. But he's still been physical, but he's been kind of outmuscled in a way by the other five. You know, the other five have really put on uh, have really put on a show when it comes to playing gray hockey, strong forecheck hitting at the right moment. Some bad plays like Brett Berard getting a game misconduct for a, for a slew food. That's not something you want to see. But other than that, Brett Berard has been a pest on the ice. He was He's getting under people's skin, uh, really annoying the opposition to the point where he's been on the ice for six goals this tournament. Most of them were on the power play, but he was creating chaos in front of the net. Then you have Jaroslav Kmalars for Czechia, who was a fifth-round pick last year. Um, a lot of people don't really know much about him. He played in junior junior hockey in Finland for Jokerit. Um, he's coming to uh, North America this summer to play for Providence Friars in the NCAA now. But this tournament, in the games he played, you know, really physical, strong presence. Uh, he, he had a Finnish player into the bench. Um, he had a boarding call on Brennan Othman, unfortunately, which was the second game misconduct. Uh or maybe that was the first one. Anyway, one of four game misconducts for Ranger prospects. But the way he plays is exactly what you want to see from from what the Rangers are trying to do in the draft. You know, we have our top we have our top six players. We have our top six prospects in Kako and Lafreniere and Kraftsov. Um Now, what they went after the last couple of years in the draft was to develop their own bottom six players. Because if you look at previous Stanley Cup winners like the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Colorado Avalanche, to a lesser degree, but still, the, the teams that go far in the playoffs are the teams that either acquire their bottom six players very cheap or develop the bottom six players themselves. And the Rangers have always been the team that to overpay for their bottom six players. Now you have um, um, Ryan Reeves on the books for $1.75 million. Uh, Barkley Goudreau makes more than 3.5. That's just too much for fourth line players. And you can have maybe one, but most of your bottom six should be low cost players. And if you can develop them yourself with Berard, now with Cooley, Kmalars, maybe if he makes the team, you know, in a bottom six role, uh, Kala Weissenden, and also in Hartford, we have guys like Adam Edstrom now and Matthew Rempe. They really targeted. These, these gritty physical players, especially in the later rounds. And and it's it's paid off so far. Of course, we don't know how they're going to develop, but 
I like what I'm seeing from from the guys giving us what we expected from them. Yeah, and I want to I want to talk more about the physical side of of you know like the game misconducts and stuff. You have mentioned a lot recently on on your Twitter account about how physical this group of Rangers prospects is, and you mm. said it might be the most physical group we've we've ever seen, especially from oh, yeah. like from the forward side of, of it. I, most of these guys are forwards, right? Yeah, we have six yeah. forwards and one goalie. There are no defensemen yeah. for the no defense. No defensemen. Interesting. Yeah, we've been drafting so many defensemen. It's it's yeah. cool to see now that we're we're loading up on the forwards. Nice uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, like I saw, I asked you to to post like one of the the hits. The I guess it was it the Offman. I think it was the Offman one. The, it was the Hamelars um, Hamelars on 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 Othman, yeah, because there was no video online of the whole play leading leading up to it, and uh, there was like a five second clip that was that was hovering around social media. So I went back to the game and recorded the whole sequence that led up to it. And in that sequence, you can see that Othman hits him first. So there's a little bit of 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 payback in that hit, but it's just it's just awkward. But Look, there's no hard feelings. I spoke to uh, Kmel Lars a couple of days later, and I was curious, so I asked him if he and Othman actually spoke after the game. They did. And uh, Kmel Lars told me that that he and Othman, uh, you know, they shook hands and everything's fine, no hard feelings, and uh, Kmel Lars is going to buy Othman a steak dinner the next time they're in New York together. So there all good. Go. And look, it's nothing new. We had Braden Schneider spearing Carl Henriksen at the Under-18 World Championship before we even drafted either of them. Um, we had Brady Shea and Balfour Buchnevich having, having, uh, you know, having, having issues at the world juniors. That was pretty funny actually. Um, where, uh, as payback when Buchnevich scored against team USA, he was celebrating his goal in front of the bench, right in front of Brady Shea. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I should yeah, actually I'm... look up that video. There, there are pictures floating around online of that, of that moment. If you look up Butch Nevich, Shea, Will Jr., you'll find it. Um, Lafreniere stole the puck from Keandre Miller and scored in his face, basically. Exactly. And now they're teammates and they're good, they're good buddies now. Yeah, yeah. And these things happen. You know, these things happen. Um, uh, the, the year prior, I think, was Lafreniere in that tournament too? Did he lose to Kako in the final or, was, or in the semifinal? Look, these players play each other. They they know each other, and then when they get drafted by the same team, it's always it's always fun. But they're playing to win, and they're not going to hold back because they see a guy in front of them that they saw a couple of months ago in New York. Although, in this case, Kmelars wasn't in New York because he was with uh, with the Czech team trying to uh, earn a spot on the team. I I like yeah. that the the what what you're saying. So about the physicality, it's not just that. It's not just all big men on skates go and hit each other. It's not no, that no, they it, have. There's so much more to their game to each of these players' yeah. games. Like Othman has offensive presence. Like he's producing. <laughs> Cooley too. Yeah. Same thing. Berard is a pest. Sakura, the highlight real goal. Like he's got skill and and talent. It's not just yeah. I'm gonna go around and body check everybody. These guys fit today's NHL narrative or today's, I guess, standard of play. You need to mm-hmm. be a a good skater. Yeah. That could make a pass that could play offense, but you still have to be physical. You're not just yeah. being physical or you're not just being all skill. You have to have a combination of both. And that's probably the identity of like a third or a fourth liner, in my opinion. You need to be yeah. able to score, but you also mm-hmm. need to be able to 
stand your ground. Yeah, and and I've I've said this for years. You should never sacrifice skill for physicality. You do that when you play guys like Tanner Glass, uh, Cody McLeod, you know, Daryl Poe, Brandon Machinter, um, who was the other guy, Ben Ferrero. Um, those guys just bring physicality, and that's just that's not enough. Not in today's NHL. You need to bring physicality on top of actual hockey. IQ and gameplay and talent. And when you look at the guys in this tournament, I know they're playing against against uh, opponents that are their age, so it's not really comparable to see who's getting to the NHL because you have to remember, for 75% of these players in the tournament, this is the highlight of their career. There are, there are a lot of players in this tournament that will never play in the NHL, especially on the smaller teams like Latvia, Slovakia, uh, they're not going to Germany. They're not going to make all make it to the NHL. But what you see with it, with the guys we have in the tournament is that they are contributing in, in different ways. Kala is now in the third line for Finland ahead of Brad Lambert, who was a first round pick for the Winnipeg Jets with our draft pick, by the way, that mm-hmm. we gave them for Andrew Kopp. But they're, they're contributing in ways that you want them to contribute. And Cooley's versatility being moved up from the fourth line to the first line now to the third line. That's definitely hopeful that, you know, that gives you some, some, some positive energy. Um, I'm just happy that, that we get to see these players and, and that we have this many in the tournament. This is the most prospects the Rangers have had in a single world juniors tournament since 1983, 84. Wow. Yeah. So I think they're doing something right with, with yeah. you know the draft, I mean they they have a new staff now. They've made a, a number of changes. They they just hired Ari Vori. That's how you pronounce his name. Ari um, Vori is the new uh, director of European scouting. Yeah, they officially announced that literally five minutes before I sent Stephen the link to to join the the episode. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I actually yeah. noticed it a couple of weeks ago. I was just uh, someone on HF boards actually. Uh, mentioned it and then i went to the to the staff directory on the rangers website and i noticed some new names um but yeah they of course they lost a couple of people they lost kevin maxwell chris morehouse uh maxwell went i think to the st louis blues chris morehouse i think to the san jose sharks to join mike greer but this happens you always have turnover you always have people leaving but you know they're hiring new people they're hiring ari Fuori, who worked with our director of of uh, of player personnel, John Lilly. Um, and, you know, you hire a guy uh, like Garth Joy from the Colorado Avalanche, who was with the organization for 20 years. You know, he has two Stanley Cup, uh, who, his two, two Stanley Cup rings. Uh, one from, uh, what was the first one? Colorado won, 2001, I think. Was it 2001? Colorado won in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. The early 2000s are always a bit a bit blurry for me because it's like Red Wings, Avalanche, Devils, and it's always oh, which one is which. Um, which year? Which year they won? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember 2003 was the Devils because Jagir won the Con Smythe as the goalie of the losing team. And yeah, that is Con Smythe photo in history. That's I've never, I've never seen anyone look so de- defeated and sad, accepting the Con Smythe trophy. Um, in those beautiful mighty ducks jerseys by the way yeah Uh, certainly certainly one of those rare feats that might never happen again yeah but look uh they they get garth joy from the colorado they get andrew schneider from the devils 
who used to work with um, with Chris Morehouse in Columbus. So, you know, there's connections everywhere. Um, but this happens, you know, there's, there's players leaving, there's players joining. It is what it is. Um, we're going to have to wait and see how it goes. We have to wait and see how, uh, you know, how these people adjust uh, and, and what impact they're going to have on the Rangers. But uh, Ari Fiori is a guy that uh, came through the ranks for TPS because why wouldn't they hire a former TPS guy? Because that's yeah. all, it seems like it's the only team in Finland the Rangers are dealing with. Their scout in Finland, Mikko Eloranta, used to play for TPS. They signed Georgiev from TPS. They drafted Reunanen, Patrick Virta, Lori Pajuniemi, Kapo Kako, and Alcala Weissanen. Just, you know, it's uh, there, there's so many connections there. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, he's basically the successor of Nick Bobrov, who uh, who left last year. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a turnaround. Hopefully the Rangers can focus a little bit more on European scouting now because I, I still think that European scouting is, for an original 16, a must because there are so many gems to discover. Look at the Red Wings. You know how they got guys like Zetterberg and and Datsuk. Original six teams have the funding, the finances to scout every league in Europe, and you you might find some gems here or there. Why not invest in it? So I'm happy to see Rory being hired, uh, but it's going to be a couple of years before we can really see what his impact is. Yeah, and it seems like the upper management, Chris Drury and company, have a specific specific style of player that they're looking for like you said it's difficult to acquire bottom six players for cheap i think a lot of teams are guilty of just handing out whatever amount dollar amounts to you know third or fourth line players that had career years david clarkson you know nathan horton's contract i mean i know he was more of a top a skilled forward but the, that contract didn't end up working out andrew ladd's another example milan lucic is another example um, Matt Martin, yeah, exactly. Like um, all these guys, oh, uh, Brendan Prust when he went when he signed as a free agent in Montreal. Yep, Benoit Pouliot too. It's just like they have the one good year, and then you know it's like, yeah, we need this player. I'm gonna spend. I'm gonna give him whatever, whatever he wants, and it's just you overshoot by almost two million dollars. And in a tight cap world that the NHL is, it's just not feasible. And you know, I think it, the best option is for the teams to develop the the players. Yeah, it's gonna take a while maybe three four maybe five years till they get to you know the nhl but you're gonna have three years of, of entry-level control when they're up on the, in the on the on the team so these players that they have offman cooley sakura berard they all seem from what you're describing to me again i haven't seen much of the games just been busy with stuff but i've tried to look at the, the highlights and from what you're describing to me, it seems that they all play sort of similar styles, and that they fit that that sort of that sort of you know identity that Gerard Gallant wants with his current Rangers, especially in the bottom six. So, is this the style that we're going to see them play if they ever make the Rangers? Yeah, uh, look, and I spoke to most of these kids uh, for my prospect interview series. Uh, Brennan Othman sees himself as a hybrid between Matthew Kachuk and Kyle Connor. Uh, you know, he plays a physical game like Matthew Kachuk, but his scoring style, like his his elite elite sniper ability, which I really think it is, is very much like Kyle Connor, uh, in his opinion. 
you have a guy like um, like Adam Sikora, you know, who, who plays a very gritty game, who plays a, a game that can translate really well to third or fourth line duties on a contender. And he's the type of player that the Colorado Avalanche traded for at the deadline in Arturi Lekkonen. I think there's definitely compare, things to compare between Sikora and Lekkonen. Um, and, you know, they were drafted at the same range. You know, they, they needed to work their way up there. But if Sikora can develop the same way, he can be a really good quality bottom six player. Brett Berard sees himself as a Brendan Gallagher type player, which, again, it's the type of player that you need in your bottom six. You need players on your third line that play a gritty game but can also pop a few goals. Brendan Gallagher is a good comparison, I feel like, because it's it's just it, that's a nice name to bring up because that's one of those players that's a a heart and soul kind of yeah. guy in Montreal. He's been there forever, you know. Yeah. I, I always try to stay away from Brett Marchand comparisons because yeah. it's just too easy. It's like the go-to comparison for everyone when a player when a prospect is 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 hitting a lot and playing a gritty style. Uh, if a prospect is fighting a lot, then then everyone goes, oh, he's like Tom Wilson. So those are the comparisons I always try to steer clear from if I can. Um, but I, I usually go with what the prospects are telling me, like Matthew Rempe, who played for the Seattle Thunderbirds um, and who we drafted in 2020 in the sixth round. He compares himself to Adam Lowry of the Winnipeg Jets. And again, you know, it's that's a player that doesn't score a lot of goals, but a player that that has like, a role to play on a team that wants to win games. Right. And it's just it, the player comparables. I know there's, there's a, a bunch of people that, that feel that player comparable comparables and comparisons are not the best way to judge, you know, how a young player will, their career will project. Yeah, it's just yeah. nice to see. It's, it's, uh, I mean, if you want to see, if you're a fan and you know, you don't get a chance to watch their games, like think, Think of this player when you when you see this young player play. Think yeah. of this guy. So when, when I look at comparisons, I don't look at how good that player is going to become. I look more at what kind of game are they playing. Um, so you can have, for instance, Philip Hedel, who plays a little bit like Artem Anisimov uh, on offense. You know, um, also like offensively, same thing with Artem Anisimov. Artem Anisimov could have like a hot streak that lasted a week where he would score six goals in, in, in eight games and then and then he would dry up for like a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that sounds like Philip Hill, but it's more stylistically. The comparisons I usually try to go for or try to ask from players is stylistically. It's not necessarily the upside. If someone says Philip Hedl, uh it is Philip Hedl's comparison is Evgeny Malkin. It doesn't mean that Hedl is going to score 100 points or get 100 points and score 40 goals. It just means that, you know, he plays a similar way with the large fan. I'm not saying that that's the comparison just to explain the difference between stylistic and upside comparisons. And I just want to clarify something. So when when I say, like, the style that these young players are, are playing with in the – in the world junior championships, that's their style. Even like during regular season games, whatever leagues they come from, right. This isn't just, you know, they're in a tournament with Canada and this is just like, now they're playing a lot different. Well, I'd say Cooley and Othman are playing a different role based on where they are in the lineup. Uh, Cooley scored. How many goals did Cooley have? Like 40 in, in juniors. Uh, but this is age 20 year. So, um, 
yeah, he's supposed to be scoring at that age in juniors. But for Team Canada in the World Junior Championship, he played on the fourth line at the start. And he's playing different. And same with Othman. When Othman was on the on the first line with McTavish and Bedard, he played in a very offensive-minded role. You know, he was creating offense. He was trying to trying to pass the puck a lot. Whereas on the fourth or third line, uh, he plays uh, uh, the type of role where you know he's on the forecheck. He's trying to cause turnovers and not make that risky play. So based on what line they're on they play different styles and with the other guys you don't really have that because they play kind of the same role on their national team as they do for their for their club team if i had to take something away from you know these like offman his game and his performance so far thus far in the in the 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 tournament i'd have to say his accountability for himself but you know, he answered the bell. He got healthy scratched in one of the first games. Mm-hmm. And immediately he comes back in the lineup in the next game and he gets three points, right? Three or four points, something like that. Um, Yeah, I think he had a goal and two assists. A goal and two assists, yeah. And yeah. You know, meaningful contribution. Mm-hmm. It's like he's stepping up like, no, I'm not going to, you know, I don't, I don't want to like just put myself down. I'm going to work hard now and I want to make yeah. sure that I belong in this lineup. That's what I like to see. I like seeing like seeing that. The goals and the assists are nice, but mm-hmm. what what preceded that and how he responded makes a huge difference to me. Yeah. And if yeah, you could be I, like that in the NHL, mm-hmm. you could go I think you could go I think you could go places. Yeah. Yeah, no, true. Uh and you know, that this is this is just what what happens when when you join a team like Canada for the World Juniors, you know? their depth is is amazing so they have Connor Bedard on the third line today that's that's unreal well it's also because David Cameron's an idiot but that's that's a different discussion um that coach is going to stumble his way into a gold medal uh tomorrow it's ridiculous <laughs> but look the players the players are not playing for their coach they're playing for a gold medal they're playing for their teammates Othman's on the fourth line. He's going to play a fourth line role for them, and he's going to do everything in his power to 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 get his team to a win today, so they can win gold tomorrow. I see. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's. I guess they. Yeah, it's it's true that they that they all work for they work for each other. But I th- I still think like that that you know I want to be here, and and it makes it even better that you brought up Canada's depth. Every single year, I feel like they always have first round. Their entire their entire team is filled with just first round picks like, mm-hmm. that have been drafted or upcoming projected first round picks. Yeah, previous first round picks basically. Basically, is their entire team first rounder, yeah. first rounder, first rounder, first and fourth line, all the defensive pairings, and then the goaltenders. The goaltenders is a little bit difficult because no, no, Canadian goaltenders are. I think. Dylan Garand is the best Canadian goaltender they've had since Carey Price at a tournament like this. Right, but he wasn't a first-round pick, so I'll, I'll change what my whatever I was saying. Originally. Yeah, no, but 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 Canada is always struggling to find mm-hmm. the right goalies for these tournaments. It's it's crazy. It's crazy how they can never get a really good goalie for the World Juniors. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's their it's their one issue, and this year they have Dylan Garand, who the first three games he was really strong at a point nine thirty save percentage. And then he let in, uh, I think, five goals 
against Finn. Uh, sorry, no, he let in um, like four goals and three goals or something like that, like six or seven goals in two games. So his save percentage dropped a bit, but you know he's getting the job done. And if they beat Czechia tonight, um, they have a really good chance of winning gold. They're, they're going to go up against either Finland or Sweden. I think if they play Sweden, they're going to have a tough a tough time. Um, I think Sweden is the second best team in this tournament. And, and unfortunately, the Rangers have no prospects on Team Sweden. I was just going to mention that. We were talking about that before. Crazy, yeah, that's, that's probably the craziest thing about this tournament. That the Rangers have seven prospects and not one of them is Swedish. Um, and I feel bad for uh, for Adam Sikora. You know, the kid's 17, he's playing in the World Juniors. And the three best players are not there. Juraj Slavkovsky, Simon Nemec, and Filip Meshar, all first-round picks uh, a month ago, are not in the tournament because their NHL teams have not released them for the tournament. Hmm. So they finished last in the group. Latvia made it to the quarterfinals instead of them. 17 year old, years old for Sakura. Yeah, youngest one of the youngest players in this draft class, and you know mm-hmm. it'll be a while. It'll be a while before we see him, but he he's looking like a really good player. I like what I absolutely enjoyed. I loved every second of that highlight reel goal. Just the mm-hmm. the wherewithal to make that move to the inside between the defender's ankles legs, and you know just the give and, then, and go was beautiful. And then instead of going straight for the goal, he passed it to open up the ice. Yeah. And then he give got him back. Give himself just that split second of time to get a little bit yeah. closer to the net and, yeah. and free himself up a little bit more because he created a two-on-one by making mm-hmm. that initial move past the defender. And, yeah, that was just a spectacular goal. That's the stuff that you want to see. Yeah. Uh, it's great and, that Sikora. All six of our skater prospects have scored in this tournament, so that's all you can ask for, right? You want to see them find the back of the net. So everyone's contributed in some meaningful way. I remember when mm-hmm. Zach Jones and Miller and Keandre Miller were on the same were on the same team. This is a couple of years ago that twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, yeah. Zach Jones had a really good, really good one. People were raving about his play. They were very impressed with that. And mm-hmm. then when you brought up, you brought up on on your account that Bob McKenzie had spoke very highly of, of Brendan Othman. You mentioned it earlier that breakout pass to Bedard and Bedard with a little, you know, through pass over to McTavish who scored the goal. Very nice, incredible backhand. It was like a, it was a backhand forehand or forehand backhand and then a quick forehand open up the wickets past the goalie. But that breakout pass though, incredible. It was literally perfect, tape to tape from his own end. Othman had great vision, uh, head up all the way. That's that's what you want to see. You got to move the puck quickly, and Othman did just that. And uh, if Bob McKenzie is is praising you for that, you know that's a that's a huge deal because I mean that, he's been around for such a long time. He knows what he's talking about. One of yeah. the, the the biggest analysts out there. He's quote unquote retired now, but you know, no, he was very look, big Bob, into the- Bob, McKenzie, Bob McKenzie didn't retire. He just started drinking margaritas, and he yeah. just still, he still he still shows up everywhere talking about hockey. The guy just cannot let it go. And I'm thankful for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his coverage is his coverage is great. He's a very fun person to uh, yeah. to, to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the so, guy's a legend. Yeah, and absolute but, legend. Yeah, and I I guess the last question I'll I'll talk to you is like, have you envisioned? We've talked about where they could where they could fit in on the Rangers roster. Third or fourth line is probably 
where they're going to end up if they were to make it the team well, anytime in the next yeah one to except three years. for Othman. Othman has top six potential. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and maybe often can play left wing and right wing, so there's versatility there as well. Yeah, right. And you never know. You never. I was gonna say, you know, let's say he makes a team this year or next year, he might be in the bottom six. Like he'll probably be in the bottom six, but you never know. Maybe he goes on a tear and just mm-hmm. lights it up, gets ten goals in ten games or something like that, and gets promoted to the first line. Like you never know. We we don't know and- what will happen. And even if he doesn't, you know, what matters here is what the Rangers think is best for his development. Um, so what the Rangers, ha- even if he's not, even if he's not um, like contributing with goals every game, the Rangers are going to look at this and go, spending three months in, in the NHL and then going back to juniors or sending him back now, what's best for his development? And you know, we're talking about an organization that that had uh, Leas Anderson uh, um, loaned out to uh, Folunda in Sweden, and then after the World Juniors went to Hartford. Uh, Philip Hedel got a couple of games and then went to Hartford. You know, um, Anthony Duclair, as I mentioned, you know, uh, in 2014, spent three months on the team, then went back to juniors. It's the same thing the um, the Oilers did with Drysaddle. They, they had him on the team for three months and then they sent him back to juniors. So we'll see what happens. It all depends on how he does in preseason. But long term, Othman definitely has top six potential. And he's probably have he probably has the best chance of making the team at a preseason this year. Would you wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it's also because of the situation. You know, once you send a player back to juniors, you cannot call him up until their season is over. So true. Yeah. Whereas a player in the AHL, you can call up at any time. So they might go with Othman for the first couple of games to see what they have in him. And if it doesn't work, they send him down. Whereas a guy like Will Cooley, they can call up anytime they want because he'll be in Hartford in the, in the AHL for the Wolfpack. That's, um, yeah, yeah. So Adam Sikora is under contract. He signed his entry-level contract, but he will most likely, like 99%, go back to Slovakia. Um, and uh, Dylan Garand will be in Hartford, I think. And the other players uh, that are in the tournament right now are not under contract. It's good to see that Garand will be in Hartford because I don't know about Wall and Husk. I mean, they were they're well, they're okay goalies, but Tyler Wall is no longer with the Rangers. Yeah. So and neither is Huska. So the goalies right. they have in Hartford now are Olaf Lindbaum, our second round pick in 2018. Mm-hmm. Goalie from Sweden, Dylan Garand, and then the veteran Louis Domingue. Yeah, they're Who definitely still them. trying to win games down there. That's why they got Domingue. Well, so, you yeah. need, also you have the Hartford Wolfpack have weekends where they play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They play three three days in a row. Mm-hmm. So uh, going to three goalies is not the worst thing in the world. Um, if Dylan Garand is or or Olaf Lindbaum is sent down to the ECHL to play for the Jacksonville Icemen. It's not the end of the world for goalies. That's fine, especially when you have like several young goalies and you want to get them, you want to get them game time. Um, so we'll see what happens with those two. How serious of a look are the Rangers going to take at Offman, Cooley, and company in preseason? Sakura, like, how well do you think Sakura is going to have to play to 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 uh, make the team? Let's just let's just play hypotheticals here. You said ninety nine percent. 
chance he's going back to wherever wherever it was that uh, his European team. I don't. I don't remember. What's that? Uh, Nitra. Nitra. Ninety nine percent chance he's going back to Nitra. So yeah. Uh, and and then there's also there's also the fact that you know that they don't play every single game. Like they they give everybody else a chance. Like they the yeah, Rangers the, the scratch first, like Zibanejad or whatever well, during the preseason. Okay, so. I haven't gone over preseason lineups for the last couple of years. I did this uh, in 2019. I went back through historical data, the lineups in preseason. You have six preseason games. Basically, the the guaranteed starters, so guys like Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad, Fox, Truba, they will get two games out of, out of six. And it's most likely games five and six, or at least one of them. Then you have guys that play two games and not make the team. Those are the long shots. Like Adam Sikora might get two games. Um, you know, uh, uh, maybe Patrick Kotarenko gets a game. Adam Edstrom, who's gonna, the Swedish guy who's going to be in Hartford. Carl Henriksen, they might get a game or two. And then you have guys that, young guys that have a lot of upside where they want to give them a little bit of a longer look. And that could be Othman and Cooley. Uh, who might get three, four, or even five games. Hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens. But the first game, you all, you're the first two games, you always have the most prospects playing. You know, your starting lineup is going to have four or five actual NHL players. The closer you get to the end of preseason, the more established players you're going to see in the lineup. Right. So, and then also there's, there's, uh, the competition Jones and, and Lundqvist. I'm interested to see how that goes. How how long they look at at those two because they've had NHL time in the past mm-hmm. couple of years. Like Lundqvist just had his 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 first dose of, of NHL time this past season. Zach Jones this year too had a cup of coffee, and then last uh, the year before that under David Quinn he had a he had a no. short stint there too. So no. we'll we'll have to we'll have to see. I'm interested to see how many games they get. And when they make the decision on who's making the team or who's getting sent down. Yeah. And, and it depends on what the Rangers are looking for. You know, they have Libor Hayek on the team as well. What's going to happen with him? Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but between Lundqvist and Jones, it depends on what they want out of that third pair defenseman. Do you want a guy who is a little bit better at absorbing hits, who's a little bit better um, you know, defensively, then you go with Nils Lundqvist. Are you looking for a guy who's a really good puck mover, you know, really good skater, north-south guy? Then you go with Zach Jones. Are you looking for a guy who's more east-east-west, more lateral movement to maybe cover up uh, the defense for for his defensive partner? That's what you that's what you get with Nils Lundqvist. It depends on what they want. Nils Lundqvist can play the left side, so that's that's not an issue. But it just depends on what Gerard Galland is looking for. Yeah, so we'll we'll have to see we'll have to see how how he goes with. It. I I mean he he certainly experimented yeah. a couple times at uh literally just a handful of times with Jones and Lundqvist, and he also took a long look at for whatever reason Braun and Nemeth or Hayek and Nemeth and you know Tenorti and Nemeth. Tenor- and- Oh, I did. I didn't realize we were gonna mention Sonority tonight. Right, like oh. that. Then okay, I talked size with you all the time, but it's just it now. It's it's frustrating me even more. The more that I think about it, it's just like 
you watching today's NHL, everybody knows that everybody could skate, could turn on a dime like so quickly, snap yeah. of a finger. They're, yeah. in, they're so, off and running, and the puck is out of their zone. Like that's how quick you need to be. You don't need these slow, rugged, moving defensemen that are there for one job. Like, I mean, Tenorti was literally hired just or just signed for to fight Tom Wilson, and, and, or because he had that. That was clear, very clearly, he was there for that. Uh, and did he? Did he? No. Fight? Wilson? No, he didn't. So, well, you know, that, that just bothers me. Like, the these old, old-minded coaches, like, Gallant's got a bit of an old, old, old mind, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. But yeah. just that, that stubbornness, that brick wall-ness that you mm-hmm. can't get past, it's frustrating. And, you know, I just really hope to see that we, we see some mobile puck moving defenseman on that bottom so, six, that, that that third pairing. Here's my here's my thing with size, right? I'm not I'm not saying it's not relevant at all. You know, I'm not I'm not writing it off completely. Because size is part of the game. But size alone is not what makes a good defenseman. Uh you need to be a good if you are a good player, then it doesn't matter how how tall you are or how short you are. Um, so defensemen that are shorter than Zach Jones, right? Jared Spurgeon, Tory Krug, Matt Grislick, uh, Chris Russell, Alex Viega, Ryan Ellis, Chris Whiteman, uh, Will Butcher, Samuel Gerard, Eric Brandstrom, Quinn Hughes. You know, they are they are either the same size of Zach Jones or shorter. They have guys like Anton Strawman, Andy Green, Tyson Berry, Shane Gostis Beer, uh, Tony D'Angelo, Ethan Bear. Adam Fox, of course, uh, Kale McCarr, um, who else? Uh, Rasmus Sandin, Sean Walker, Ty Smith, Kalen Addison, uh, let's see, Cam York, uh, Victor Soderstrom, Jamie Drysdale. Those are guys that are either the same size as Nils Lundqvist or shorter. So it, just going with a guy because he's 6'4 is a really bad way to put a defense together. Mm-hmm. If you have two defensemen that are equally as good defensively and one of them is 5'11 and the other one is 6'4, go with the guy who is 6'4. But if you ask me to choose between Braden McNabb or Zach Jones, I'm not picking Braden McNabb. You shouldn't. You no. shouldn't. No. Unless you want unless you want to have the ice tilted in your direction. Yeah, and, and also some people say, well, no team has ever won a Stanley Cup with three uh, defensemen below six foot. But just because it never happened doesn't mean it can never happen. Okay, now, yeah. Correlation does not equal causation. Prior to 1994, no Russian player had ever won a Stanley Cup. And we right. had four on the team. In, in the summer of 1993, if Twitter was around, Ranger fans would have said, well, we're never going to win a cup because we have four Russians on the team and they never win cups. All right. And it's, it's just, yeah, like like you said, that doesn't mean that it's never going to happen. Exactly. It, uh, prior to Darian Hatcher in 1999 with the Dallas Stars, no American captain had ever lifted the Stanley Cup. Yeah, no American. Yeah, you can't win without it with a with a with an American captain. Well, 1998 NHL NHL forums, if they were around, you need a Canadian captain, otherwise you're never going to win a cup. Oh, our captain's American. We'll never win. Exactly. Yeah, cause correlation does not equal causation, and right. of course. Size is important, but it's not the be-all, end-all. To me, size is a um, uh, it's 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 not it's not a characteristic, uh, not a characteristic. It's a tiebreaker. 
I see which yeah no I agree a hundred percent yeah like that example you just gave if you have two defensemen of equal attributes yeah. Yeah. one's bigger than the other go with the bigger guy yeah you're gonna yeah. need it yes of course but solely picking a defenseman because he's bigger and has no other skills is just a pylon mm -hmm. out there yeah. also there's the, the, no the, point the difference in height between Ryan Lindgren and Nils Lundqvist is basically uh the thickness of a puck Wow, that's well, a lot in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, if, yeah. Nils, if Nils Lundqvist has a puck on his head before he puts his helmet on, he's the same length as Ryan Lindgren. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, another thing, like, there are puck-moving defensemen that are huge, that are that are that that have size mm. on them. Yeah. Like, Braden Schneider. Braden Schneider can, can move the puck. He's yeah. a great skater. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I'm not saying that the big, big defensemen – that could skate or non-existent. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you need five foot 11 defenders. I'm just saying, don't go with the guy that's only there for physicality and nothing yeah. else, because you're going to run into a lot of problems. Yeah. Victor Hedman did not win a Norris trophy because, because of his size. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Like he is off it. You got to, there's a number of reasons you could point to other than his size for why he won a Norris trophy and why he's a, a two-time Stanley cup winner. Right. Yeah. Like, and why he was drafted second overall. And I like size is one of the last things I would mention. Yeah. He's smart, smart player, offensive abilities, defensive intellect. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Just a good all around player too. Yeah. And size is if he, if he, if Victor Hedman was like five, five foot 11, He'd still be. I. I still think he would be just as good. Yeah, it's it's just crazy that a fan base that saw that saw Adam Fox win a Norris Trophy is this allergic to to small mobile defensemen. Just be open minded to you know different mm. play. Like I want to. I'll see. I will gladly entertain different different line combinations. Like just as long as it's not extreme. Like don't give me. Friday's advantage at Ryan Reeves. Like I don't that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need that. Okay, Kreider's advantage at Sammy Blay. Well, yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense, but okay, if you want to try it for a game or two, then fine. Like I'm more accepting of that than I am of Tenorti Hayek as a pairing or Tenorti Nemeth. Hayek Nemeth. Listen, listen, dude. I I was at the at the game. Uh, against the Buffalo Sabres at Madison Square Garden, hockey fights cancer night mm -hmm. with Nemeth and Tenorti as a pair. Oh yeah, I remember that they got picked apart. That I think Kina Stroza like picked. Uh, what was it? They, Nemeth. They both, they, both had a, they both had assists on Buffalo Sabre goals. That yeah, night. basically. If if Buffalo won those won that game, you could give. Nemeth and Tenorti, yeah. like second and third star of the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. See, like, and, yeah, it's just, you know, I just, I don't mean to like, like point and call people out, but it's just that that narrative or whatever. Oh, you're only good because of his size. It's just, oh, it's so close-minded. I don't like it. Yeah. I, I want to see these. I want to see all this. I want to see these, these, these different combinations. Like, I want to see a, a Jones and Lundqvist pairing. May not be the best idea because yeah, they're both small or whatever. We'll get run all over the ice. Okay, I see. I see. Yes, they're small, but like at least give me Schneider and 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 Jones or Schneider and 
and and Lundqvist. Give me yeah. one of those two, but do not give me Schneider and and Libor High. Don't settle for that, please. That's. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, you don't have to convince me about this. Um, and you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least, at least, give it a try. That's what the preseason is for. That's what the preseason is for. You know, and you're not going to lose games because you play Nils Lundqvist or Zach Jones over Libor Hayek. That's not. That's not what. That's not what gonna. What's going to cost you a game? I like to. Th- you know, Don LaGreco went on a rant of, like about a month ago, a little over a month ago, about baseball. Someone called and said that Joey Gallo, I don't know if you follow baseball, but someone called the, the Michael K show and said, oh, yeah, Joey Gallo is the reason why the Yankees are, you know, they suck or something like that. He said, like, the Yankees, who are very clearly one of the best teams in baseball, you know, I mean, how much better can you get? His argument was that, if if Gallo wasn't in the lineup, that they'd be twenty games over five, twenty games ahead instead of ten games yeah. ahead of the next guy. I, it would I, really I like like Georgiev or Hayek. Would mm-hmm. it make that much of a difference for the Rangers? Would it really? Mm-hmm. You lose a couple of games, really, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Eighty-two game schedule, but if you're pointing to them to be the reason you lost ten games, I don't know, man. I think that's a little. I think that's a little little uh all over the place i don't know i don't agree yeah, with that i i look i don't know a lot about baseball but i started watching highlights this season of the yankees games because my fiance is a yankees fan and you know since we're getting married might as well you know uh familiarize, baseball. Myself, baseball. familiarize myself a little bit with the team she supports dude if you don't if you don't score a run in 19 straight innings that's not one guy's fault dude that's no that's that's more than that's more than just one guy. I mean, Joey Gallo is a Yankees player, right? He was a Yankees player. He's oh, now my. on the Dodgers. But yeah, before okay. he got traded, yeah, everybody was a lot of people were complaining about that. And you know, it's the same thing with Rangers Twitter. Everybody when when Hayek and Nemeth and Georgiev were all letting in goals, basically, everybody who what was who was being called out? Those guys. And then it's just like and, and the same thing with like the guys in the playoffs, like our top six forwards that have that didn't show up. Like, well, where are they? And no one's calling those guys out. So what's mm-hmm. what's the deal here? Yeah. Look, um, just to reiterate my point, you have to you're gonna have to go with either Lundqvist or Jones. Because and this is someone on Twitter said this, and I keep repeating it all summer long, because he said it about playing Hedel on the second line before we signed Trojek and playing Kako and Lafreniere in the top six. You have to trust these guys. If you don't trust them now, then when are you going to trust them? Yeah, yeah. You know, at yep. some point, you have to just play them. And yep. it's just, it's frustrating to, and I'm telling you, you know, the Rangers play, when the Rangers play at 7 p.m. Eastern, that's midnight for me. I live in Dublin, Ireland. If I turn on my stream and I see Semi Blay or Dryden Hunt in the top six, I'm turning off my TV and I'm going to bed. I'm telling you now. I'm not going to stay up until 2.30 a.m. to watch Sammy Blay or Dryden Hunt in the top six. Well, I will stay up for that, and I'll just I'll just pray deeply internally that Glant makes the change to what it should be or something completely different, something different. Look, and it's not nothing against Sammy Blay or Dryden Hunt, but they, they're good players in the right role. Dryden Hunt on the fourth line, Sammy Blay on the fourth line, 
is exactly what this team can use. But we have yeah. better players to play in the top six. Lafreniere and Kako, barring injuries, should spend 82 games in the top six. You're playing like you're playing Dryden Hunt on the second line over over players on the team named Lafreniere and Kako. Like you're taking away ice time there. Yeah. So yeah. you gotta trust yeah, like that I mean it's such a good point what you said. If you're not trusting him now, then when is it gonna happen? So exactly. I mean Kako's twenty twenty one. Lafreniere is turning twenty one in October. You so know, if I, they don't, if they don't, if they don't like break out this year, let's say they only get forty points only. That's a huge step forward. They haven't had anywhere near that. Like, mm-hmm. what's the career high for Kako? Twenty something points. Twenty nine. If he gets, if he gets like, like sixty points, let's say, that's double his total. That's a huge step forward. Or even if he gets um, fifty points, forty five. That's a that's a pretty sizable upgrade, I'd say. All right, so he had uh, so 23 in his first season, but he missed, of course, a lot of games with injury this past season. He was on pace for 35 points this past season, over 82 games. Okay, so even if he gets 50 points, like a 15 point increase, that's a that's a good that's a good upgrade, and you need to give him the time. So yeah. there's going to be growing pains this year. If you want to really trust the process, put him in the top six. You may not be as good as last year, but my God, if you want to take if you want to take a step forward, sometimes you got to take a step backwards. So we may not make the Eastern Conference Finals this year with this lineup. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I'm just saying that you might need to let it happen. If you want to if you want to be good like for five, ten years down the down the road, you're gonna have to get these kids some playing time, some experience, because they have not had that. Not mm. not consistent top six playing time. And they did say that they needed to do that. So yeah. I'm holding yeah. them to but, that. And the year before the Rangers won the Cup in 94, they missed the playoffs. Um, the Rangers made the conference final in 2012, right? Remember that when we lost to the Devils? The following year, we lost in the second round to the Bruins, 2013. Mm-hmm. That, was the year, that was the year Charlie McAvoy tweeted, I, I hate the Bruins. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, that he, was the- he, that was Dash's first year with the Rangers and was high expectations. Like, yeah, we were supposed yeah, to yeah. go far. But you get eliminated by the Bruins, who make it all the way to the Stanley Cup final only to lose to the Blackhawks. It's okay. You know, just because just because you made the conference final the year prior doesn't mean you're automatically going to make it one step further. If the Rangers make it to the second round of the playoffs and they get eliminated, that's that's not, you know... We shouldn't we shouldn't get too upset about that because yeah it's going to be disappointing but it's not the end of the world because for me the window for me the window will always open I've always said this the cup window will open in 2024. I say I say the real window opens when I say we're done with officially done with the rebuild when Kako and Lafreniere pull their own weight well yeah match starts to work out. that's also a good point, but if I look at rebuilds in the salary cap era, it takes the, the most successful teams, right? The most successful teams takes them at least five years to go from bottoming out to winning a cup, at least five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, most teams take six, seven, or eight years. The, the Blackhawks needed six years. Uh, the Penguins, 
from the first time they picked top five to winning a Stanley Cup was seven years. The Colorado Avalanche just won a cup. It took them 13 years. They drafted Matt Duchesne third overall in 2009, and it still took them 13 years to win a cup. Mm -hmm. The Tampa Bay Lightning drafted first and second overall in, in 2008 and 2009. It took them 11 years to win a cup. The there Washington were a lot Cup of... There's, it's a journey. It's like there's yeah. a lot of pains there. It took them a mm -hmm. while to get to the play. I mean, they went, they went to the the conference. The Lightning went to the conference finals in 2011. I don't forget that. But then and, and twenty was, and they went to the Stanley Cup final in 2015 when they beat us. Right. They went through some growing pains. Like yeah. they, they've had their runs. Yeah. They 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 cut some dead wood along the way. They they kept they kept retooling their team and eventually they won a cup. The Washington Capitals drafted Ovechkin first overall in 2004. It took them 14 years to win a Stanley Cup. I don't I like I'm not ready to give up on on these guys yet. Like the 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 younger players. I know it's yeah. people are expecting yeah. Kako Lafreniere to come in immediately, you know, start producing. It's very difficult. You know, some players that, that it just takes a while for it to for it them does. to just get it. it. Does. Wasn't Nachushkin Nachushkin was like a first round pick by the mm -hmm. Dallas Stars, right? He is yeah. just now figuring out his role. Like what he should be just now yeah. like this was his best year was was it not uh yes right like he was a integral part of the that that avalanche team i don't know what line he played on but whatever whatever line he was on he made a significant impact on the team and he was a first round pick the the stars got rid of him and he found his his niche his role what he needed to be with the with the avalanche it just yeah. takes some time so Hold, hold the, hold the, hold your and, horses with the. Look, let's get rid of these guys. I'm not comparing Capo Caco to the players I'm going to mention now, but if you look at top five picks, Andrew Ladd, Henrik, and Daniel Sedin didn't hit 50 points until they were 25 years old. James Van Riemsdyk was 24 when he did it the first time. Mm -hmm. Sam Reinhardt and Jordan Stahl were 23. Nino Niederreiter was 25. Huberto was 22. Uh, same with uh, Nathan Horton and uh, Thomas Vanek. Now, again, I'm not comparing these players to Kako Kaka. I'm just looking at top five picks and when was their first 50-point season. Kako just turned 21. Can you imagine the Vancouver Canucks saying in um, in 2002, yeah, these Sedin twins, they suck. We're going to trade them for like a second-round pick. Right. Like that would have been absolutely absurd. Yes. Yeah. But I yeah. do agree with you that the, the Rangers rebuild, and I still call it a rebuild because there's different phases for me in the rebuild. There's phase one where you sell off players, you acquire draft picks, and you, and you draft your future stars. That's phase one. Phase two is where you start to acquire your, uh, your players to fill the holes. You know, right. You got to fill out the rest of your lineup. Exactly. So you get a guy like Vinny Trocek. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's phase two. And then phase three – that's why you start trading away first round picks because you go all in like the phase we had from 2012 to 2015. No, I think we're still a year away from entering that phase, but phase two is still very exciting. You know, we're going to, we're going to fight to win the division, but the rebuild will still depend heavily on will Kako and Lafreniere hit their stride because those guys need to hit at least 50, 60 points a season for us to, to actually make something happen. Hopefully it happens this season, 
But if it doesn't, yeah, it's frustrating, but I'm not going to throw the towel with a guy that with two guys that a year from now are going to be 22 and 21 years old. If you want the whole plan to work, the whole plan, meaning, you know, a, a, a perennial contender like the Avs, like the Lightning, Kako Lafreniere have to start pulling their own weight. If you want a team that's like a kind of a, you know, we'll see what happens this, this year, remove Lafreniere and Kako from the equation. I, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, it's, that's what I want. What I want is my team for, for once to just be every single year, be in competition. Like, I mean, I know we were, we were in, from 2012 to 2015. It's just like, yeah, the Rangers are going to be good this year. You know that for sure. Like, cause we have Lundqvist, but they, yeah. they never drafted. They never, it wasn't from literally from the ground up. It wasn't like that. Like they, they acquired these players and then they, they built around them. You know, Lundqvist was drafted in 2000 and he came up in what, 2006? Uh, 2005. So 2005, five, right. five years after being drafted. Same right. Shostakovich. Right, but I'm saying like the Rangers really haven't had a team with, which they've truly built from from the ground up, like mm-hmm. with, like uh filled with superstar potential talent, like a first overall yeah. pick and a second overall pick, and all these other players too that were yeah. also top five picks. You know what I mean? You got what I'm trying to say? Yeah. No, no, true. And look, and again, not comparing Kako to this player, but um, we've just seen three seasons of Kapo Kako. This was his third year after being drafted. Uh, when Chris Kreider came over in 2012 um, for the shortened season, he had two, two goals, one assist in 23 games. Mm-hmm. The following year, he had um, 17 goals, 20, 20 assists for 37 points in 66 games. And then he had 46 points in 80 games, 43 and 79. You know, de- development isn't linear. You know, you cannot just look at look at a graph and go, well, he was here that, uh, last year. He was here this year, so he's going to be here next year. It's, mm-hmm. It just doesn't work like that. You know, A lot of factors into it, like injuries. We didn't know that COVID was going to happen. Oh, there's COVID, there's injuries, there's ice time, there's special teams. Right. Ex- special teams is a huge deal because Kako Lafreniere did not see any, very, very, barely any time. And if they did, it was just a 30-second on-the-fly yeah. line change. No offensive zone face-off. Let's get set up. Let's move the puck around a little bit, get into our positions. None of that. It's just yeah. you have to skate, get past that the their, their trap, and then you know, set up right away. It's very different. I remember, I remember when the second unit was um, Kako, Heedle, Lafreniere, Gautier, and Truba. Yeah. 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 Okay. Look, these kids are going to are gonna hopefully make strides. But if it doesn't happen this year, it's going to be frustrating. But it's not the end of the world, you know? Uh, Lafreniere is not even old enough to buy a beer in New York City. And, you know, all I want from Kako and Lafreniere, I don't, I don't expect them to be, to be Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews. I just want them to be better than Nolan Patrick and Neil Yarkov. And I'm still confident that they will be. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I just, I want to, I want to see it work out. That's what I, yeah. that's all I'm asking for. I want to see him hit his potential because yeah. we all saw, we all witnessed Kako's 
brilliance in his world, the whatever tournament it was, was it World Junior Championships? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and then the World Championships, yeah. World Championships, yeah. And Lafreniere's too, his brilliance with mm -hmm. Ramuski. No, yeah. won a did he win a gold medal in the World Junior Championships? Like, I, I don't, I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. But like, we um, all, we all want to see. I think Lafreniere looks like he's, he's, he's making a name for himself. I think he's, mm -hmm. he's coming through his own a little bit. Kako for me is the big question. I need him to stay healthy this year. Yeah. Uh, Sam Reinhardt is another example. You know, Sam Reinhardt didn't become a point per game player until this past season. Mm -hmm. He's 26. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm ready for hockey, man. I, yep. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to fly to New York for preseason. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait for hockey to start either. I, I mean, right now I'm really into the into the to baseball. Uh, you know, Mets are killing me right now. Just really pulling on my heartstrings, and they got to make it close, just like they always do. But yeah, I'm with you. Hockey, I can't By wait way, for if it. You, if you like the Mets, there's a movie you should watch. It's called Frequency. Frequency. Let's okay. put it this way: I don't know anything about baseball, but because of that movie, I know the name Cleon Jones. <laughs> okay all right yeah cleon jones he made the final out of the 1969 world series which is yes and there was one of two championships the mets have won in their franchise history. yeah and there was something with shoe polish on the ball or something yep see see that's all in the movie you should watch the movie oh i know all that. i read that in a book when i was like when 10 yeah. years old but i will watch the movie now because i love that Thank stuff you. all right I'll, well um, what i'll do is i'll send you a link it's in my google drive i'll send you a link sounds good to me all right. Uh, Ice Cold Takes listeners, still going after Kevin Weeks. We'll I'm going to pump out content. We'll, we'll, we're going we're gonna to get him eventually. We're going to get him. I know I ran a poll the other day, and it was like majority of people, over 50% said he's never coming on. I don't agree with that. And I'm going to keep going until he gets Listen, on the show. Uh, keep pushing. Keep trying. Keep going. Look, when I, when I started when, – when I started – you know, the, the, the prospect stuff and the stats on Twitter a couple of years ago. I had like 150 followers. I mean, you never know. And and now I'm interviewing prospects. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking to family members of players. You know, I have Ranger Scouts sometimes chat to me and, you know, just keep pushing and, and things will happen. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you, you yourself now are in a spot, thousands of followers, yet you still make time to come on a show that's not as well not as not as known in the in the community but you still make the time to do it and i i appreciate that yeah man we're all ranger fans we're all in this together so yep always go happy to, to join go rangers can't wait for october i mean and and you know what can't wait for september i want to see those preseason games actually yeah i can't wait uh but right. yeah good episode we'll see everyone next week Hey Rangers fans, thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. Time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.